Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes from Goodyear, Arizona. Hoynesy, uh, yesterday you uh, had a chance to watch some bullpens and uh, see some guys throw. Uh, who really stood out uh, in in the, the morning session there when you were able to watch uh, guys get on the mound and throw? Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, you know, look good, Joe. Uh, you know, Joey Cantillo, left-hander, big left-hander that we've heard a lot about over the years, really kind of has a great motion. I can see why people like this guy. Um, you know, he, um, you know, he's probably what a double A, triple A this year. I, I would imagine triple A, but uh, you know, he, he he strikes people out. Uh, you know, he's got some uh, control issues, but you know, really interesting. And the thing that stood out to me, Joe, was the sophistication of uh, how how this organization has progressed, and I'm. Sure it's with every organization. I mean, there's cameras behind, you know, there's like four or five guys throwing bullpens at the same time. They've got a camera behind each guy, a technician behind, you know, running the cameras. Uh, I was watching Gavin Williams throw and uh, they had a camera behind him on the side of him. You know, his first uh, few uh, pitches were into a net like 10 feet from the mound. He was throwing first a weighted ball, then, then a baseball. And every so often, you know, Joe Torres, the assistant pitching coach, would stop and get his iPhone out and show, you know, Williams what he was doing, showing his motion. And, uh, you know, it was just it was fascinating to me because, you know, it was just it was instantaneous. You know, you got the feedback right away. And I was thinking back to, uh, you know, all the bullpen sessions I've seen in in Tucson and in Winter Haven and, uh, you know, the sophistication in, in uh, I remember in Tucson when Hank Peters kind of took over, they the the big the big thing was uh, they tied two two strings horizontal strings across all the uh, home plates and tied a box in a string box in front of each plate and that that's you know where the pitchers were supposed to uh, you know throw you know hone in on the strike zone and throw strikes so you brought that over from Baltimore uh, where Hank you know had so much success and you know now. They've got cameras all over the place. You know, they're tracking velo in the bullpens. It is really, it's like a science, science fiction movie. Yeah, and 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 really, it's standard practice now among yeah. all major league teams. This is not like a, 
uh, unique to the Guardians. This is uh, every team does this with, uh, you know, they, they go out there with a bunch of tripods and they go out with a bunch of cameras and the, the gear that they uh, that they take. And this is every time they go on the road as well. So uh, all of the uh, the the equipment that they travel with, uh, this, this goes into it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, it, uh, you know, it's 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 not cheap to, to try and, uh, you know, have this technology uh, the, the software, I, a lot of it is proprietary to the teams themselves in terms of what they track, uh, the, the data that they track and how they analyze it. But, uh, the equipment itself is, is not necessarily unique. Uh, and as far as, you know, every one of these guys getting up on the mound and, and, and throwing, uh, with these, with this being tracked, I mean, it's, it's, it's we're not far away from these guys getting up in a in a tunnel with virtual reality and you know showing all of this uh in in real time as as if it were a game situation uh for for a lot of these guys and the the younger guys are are used to it the younger guys you know come up and and their first uh you know sort of when they first step into pro ball they're doing this and, and you know some of them even come from the collegiate level where they're doing it so uh, this is not uh, something that they're not used to. It's it's actually something that you know they they've learned how to analyze this data, uh, and it, it makes them you know that much better. You you wonder why strikeouts are are, are way up, Hoinsey. Uh, this is one of the reasons why. Oh, for sure, Joe, and I'm sure this is you know why Shane Bieber, a guy like Shane Bieber, went to driveline this past winter and spent every like waking hour. It sounds like you know at the facility in uh, in. Uh, Scottsdale. I mean, you know, they can do so much, you know, it can break down your mechanics, break down your body movements, break down your velocity and your pitch and the shape of your pitches. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's so scientific now that it's just, uh, you know, it kind of, it just, you know, I was just like struck by it, struck by it yesterday, just the, uh, complexity of it, like you were saying. Well, uh, so you watch Joey Cantillo throw, obviously, uh, you know the the lefty they've been very patient with. They acquired him uh, in the the Mike Clevenger deal, and you know he's he's a guy who who could be on the cusp of possibly making his major league debut at some point this season. Uh, what where do you see Joey Cantillo fitting into their plans? Whether or not you know there's a, a spot in the rotation that's readily available. Yeah, I think he's probably a depth guy, Joe. They've got a, they've got you know certain certain guys in camp that are you know classified as depth guys, uh, and I I would think Cantillo you know falls into that place. I remember Terry Francona talking about him yet uh, last year. He really liked him, but he said he's got to you know he's not exactly ready yet. He's got to throw more strikes. He can't walk as many people as he does. So you know, but very, really an impressive. An impressive delivery, a big guy. He looks like he gets after it. Yeah, uh, the the lefties traditionally are ones that you have to be a little more patient with, and uh, and that was the case with uh, with with Cantillo. Uh, you also got to hear Stephen Vogt talk about another uh, young arm in camp, number three overall prospect, uh, Daniel Espino. Uh, he's not necessarily you know uh, throwing bullpens or or uh, out there you know competing for a spot on the roster, but uh, from what vote was able to, uh, you know, ascertain from watching Espino, uh, sounds like he liked what he saw. Yeah, he was really excited, uh, you know, and I, I didn't even think, uh, 
he was, uh, you know, Espino was at that stage yet, but he's playing catch. He's throwing, I guess, is what, uh, you know, Vote said. Uh, he was really impressed by him. He's coming back from uh, surgery, right shoulder surgery uh, last May, the anterior uh anterior capsule of his shoulder, you know, that knocked him out for the rest for the entire 2023 season and probably dated back to uh, uh, 2022 when he only threw about 18 innings because of shoulder and knee problems. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, he's, this is a guy that's really hasn't pitched much for two years, but uh, you know, he was really enthused about Espino, uh, you know, the progress he's making still no, you know, you know, kind of a defined, and uh trajectory for him for his return i think they're just gonna you know you know i'm still thinking joe what do you think get all-star yeah. break maybe post all-star break something like that yeah maybe we see him on the mound in the minors around the all-star break or later um they they really are going to rely on the the medical people to to sort of hold him back and 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 make sure the progress that he makes is is not going to get him uh injured and have a setback in in that way but but Vote said just from the eye test, uh, you know, he liked him. He called him a specimen. That's uh, that's what he said. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like that when the uh, when the manager gets uh, gets excited about the physical makeup of a guy. Yeah, he does not look like a pitcher, Joe. You know, usually pitchers are six four, kind of long and lean. This guy is like six two, and he looks like, you know, he's ready to uh, challenge for the heavyweight championship. He is he is put together, uh, and uh, you know, sauce spoken guy uh, from uh, Panama he, you know came and uh, you know pitched in high school in in the Atlanta uh in the uh you know I think Atlanta right the Atlanta area uh so he grew up there um but you know he's they've been they've, they've had their eye on him for a long time former number one pick and a uh, vote said he had the same kind of surgery that uh, Espino had and uh, you know he can uh, sympathize with them yeah so if, if you know vote knows more than anybody how long it takes and where he should be at, at what stage and, and what he should be feeling as he progresses through that recovery. So uh, that's a, a good thing when y- you know that the guy in charge is, is, uh, is making the call based on, you know, his own past experience there. I uh, want to remind our listeners, uh, if you get a chance, uh, log on to cleveland.com slash subtext and uh, subscribe to our uh, subscription texting service. It's $3.99 a month, and all of the updates that uh, we give through uh, Hoinsey go directly to your phone uh, out in Goodyear. So, uh, you know, Hoinsey's there on the fields with these guys, watching them uh, watching them pitch, and uh, he, he sends text messages directly to your phone uh, throughout uh, all of spring training. And uh, if you go to cleveland.com slash subtext, or if you send a text message to 216 208 Four three four six. Uh, you can sign up that way. Uh, Hoinsey, you were able to talk to uh, a familiar face. Uh, I'm sure it was a, a fun conversation to have with uh, with Carlos Carrasco. Now that he's back in the fold, uh, back in Cleveland, the only other place that he ever necessarily wanted to pitch. Uh, what uh, What did you hear from Carlos Carrasco when you were able to get uh, have a conversation with him out in Goodyear? Yeah, he's really excited to be back, Joe. Uh, you know, once he became a free agent after three years with the Mets, I think he there was only one place he wanted to go, and that was to come back to Cleveland, <clears throat> where he spent the first 11 years of his big league career. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I asked him, uh, 
you know, about Corey, his old teammate, Corey Kluber retiring. And, you know, he's, you know, he said, uh, you know, Corey had a great career. Uh, uh, he remembered, uh, you know, playing soccer with uh, Kluber, kicking the soccer ball around with Kluber and some other players before games at Progressive Field. He said that's how they got their conditioning in. And he said, you know, he wished, uh, you know, Cor he said Corey had a great career and that he wished him well. But he, but, but he added emphatically, I'm not at that stage yet. So, <laughs> you know, he didn't come to Cleveland to retire, I don't think. He came to Cleveland to try to, hook, you know, win a spot on, a, on, on, this, on this ball club. I'm still not sure where he fits, Joe, if, uh, you know, the rest of the rotation stays healthy. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe he would go down to Columbus and, uh, you know, stay there until an opening presented itself or another club came calling and needed a pitcher. So so we'll see how this goes. But he says he, he's throwing well, uh, that he that he feels great. You know, the you know, he is uh, he said all his you know, he had that he, he, in 2019. He was diagnosed with uh, a formal leukemia he said that's under control uh and uh that you know he's ready to compete and win a job here and that's great to hear that uh that everything you know physically and health wise is is you know on on the level with uh with cookie uh just how much do you think that the guardians can get out of him you know this is a guy who when he was uh you know going good in the rotation you can count on him for five six innings a a, a night and then you know, uh, just the, the strikeout numbers were, were, were always pretty good. Uh, what do you think Cookie has left in the tank at this point in his career? You know, that's a great question, Joe. He's going to be 37 at the end of March. Uh, so he's going to pitch at 37 this year. Uh, you know, he did not have a great year last year, three and eight. You know, he dealt with some uh, some injuries. Um uh, but the year before, you know, he had, you know, he had a good, a, 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 I think 12 and five something, or, you know, he had a, he had a strong year with the Mets. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, Joe, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been a starter mo his whole career. Um, I think he's a five or six inning guy, depending on, you know, how he slots in and if he slots into this rotation, I think they, you know, and, you know, based on, the injuries they had last season. I mean, they've got to protect themselves. And right now, you know, Carrasco's got to be considered a depth guy. Yeah, and and that's you know they need to uh, they they there probably will come a time in this season where they need a guy to eat innings. And 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 Cookie has been able to do that in the past. Uh, he's been able to go out there and give you you know a a good number of starts if if he's in the rotation. Uh, I just think that this was a, a no-brainer in terms of a, a signing for the the organization. And uh, when when they introduce him uh, and on opening day, as they as they introduce the uh, the roster uh, at the home opener uh, on April 8th, I am sure that he's going to get one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, ovation of of anybody on the uh, on the club there uh, coming back at, at at Progressive Field. It's got to be one of the reasons why he's looking forward to. Uh, uh, to this, if if he makes the opening day roster, uh, you know for sure. Oh, there's no doubt about it, Joe. This is one of the most popular players ever to win a Cleveland uniform, and and he earned the popularity, you know, in the way he handled his uh, diagnosis, the charity work, you know, he continually did throughout the city. I mean, not even just the city, throughout the 
world, really. I mean, this guy, you know, if you look at his resume for when he won, you know, the Roberto Clemente Award, I mean, you know, that was <laughs> he, he left a big footprint. And, uh, you know, he said he's been getting calls from his his old friends in Cleveland, from the Cleveland Clinic where he got treatment. Uh, you know, people are, you know, people are really excited about this. This is a feel good story. And uh, hopefully uh, Cookie can complete it, can make, you know, that make that full circle. Does he still go out uh, and, and take uh, photographs? Is he still uh, the world traveler that he was when he was in Cleveland? Because uh, one of my favorite things to do was follow his Instagram. He would post, you know, trips to Africa and trips to India and, and you know, world traveler and a great photographer. Uh, I wonder if he's still uh, making those trips in the offseason. Well, he said uh, he did not take too many trips this winter he was a he said he was a free agent this winter first time he's been a free agent and uh he he had to work you know i think he was he was concentrating on working and getting a getting a job and and making sure he was ready to go when spring training hit makes a lot of sense all right uh you did get a chance yesterday to talk to uh cleveland's new bench coach craig albernez uh and and he uh sat down with reporters uh what did you take away from your uh your conversation with craig albernez yeah, fun guy. You know, he's from uh, the New England area. He's still got that Boston accent. So, you know, <laughs> Bart Swain was joking if we needed a translator for Albernez because of, but, uh, it was fun. It was a fun conversation. Uh, you know, him and uh, Stephen Volt go way back to their days, you know, when there were players in the, the Rays uh, minor league system. Um, and he's going to be the bench coach. Um, and I, we you know, the great, uh, interesting uh, relationship between them and an interesting relationship between the manager and the bench coach. And, you know, the, the thing that dawned on me and I and he talked about this is that, you know, the bench coach isn't the bench coach for just the nine innings in the dugout. The, he's the he's a bench coach to the manager, you know, before the game, after the game, on the road, on the on the planes, you know, on the on the drives to the uh, to the ballpark. You know, they're always talking baseball. He said that they've had some uh, passionate discussions. He didn't, I guess, slash arguments. You know, nothing ever, but it was just because they were both really, you know, they loved the game. Uh, and they're, they're trying to find ways to win. So it was really, it was fun to listen to him <clears throat> and fun to listen to him. You know, he was a bullpen coach with the Giants before he came to Cleveland. And uh, just, uh, it was interesting to hear his thoughts on catching on, on uh, Bo Naylor and just how uh, welcoming, you know, Sandy Alomar has been to him to, uh, you know, to, lo- to allow him to have some feedback with the catchers, you know, because this is like uh, catching, <laughs> catching you in Cleveland, right? With vote, you know, Albernez, uh, you know, Alomar, I'm missing somebody. Yeah, I, I know there's another oh, catcher, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin Hedges. Yeah. So he said, this is, you know, if you, if you can't, if a catcher can't progress here, he's never going to pro- progress. Yeah. And, and that's uh, all good signs in, in terms of uh, Bo Naylor's progress and, and, you know, what they, it should be expecting of him this year. Uh, I'm, I'm the the thing I'm curious about is the first time they really bump heads. Uh, you know, he and Stephen Vote uh, really bump heads over an issue or whatever. Uh, you know, when when Terry Francona was here, uh, you know, T- Terry Francona was Terry Francona. He you you pretty much. It's not that you didn't question him, but you know, if if you did and and it came down to it. 
you're probably going to lose the argument just because he, <laughs> he had that sort of, uh, you know, that, that sort of gravitas that, uh, you know, two World Series championships and, you know, one of the greatest managers in, in the history of the game, uh, you know, has. Uh, Vote doesn't have that. So who wins in an argument when uh, when Vote and, and Elbernes, you know, clash and, and also factor in, uh, you know, Kai Correa, because he's going to be uh, also part of that conversation, I think, as as well. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, Vote was real honest about that. He goes, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to say it. I, you know, I, I, I have never run away from the fact that I don't have any experience that I've never managed before. I've, I've never run away from the fact that I, that I do not have all the answers, you know, so I think he's willing to listen to that, <clears throat> willing to listen to the advice, you know, from the people around him. He said, you know, basically there are days, you know, early in camp where I've had nothing to do. I mean, you know, everyone has taken, you know, has done, is doing their job. So I'm, I can just go around and watch what I want to watch. Now, you know, during the game that, you know, obviously that, that, that the focus falls on him on the moves, but he said, uh, like he said, with uh, uh, Carl Willis, the pitching coach, he's going to, you know, he's going to stay. He said, I, I'm going to hold Carl's hand during the game. You know, I, he knows everything about the, the, the uh, pitching, the Cleveland pitching staff a lot more than I do. He know, you know, he's been through every experience, but he added, you know, in the end, I've got to make the uh, decision, but still, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to people. You know, I'm not going to act like I know I know everything. Yeah, and I think that's one of the qualities that that really attracted the organization to Steven Vogt, uh, just his his openness and his honesty about, you know, you know who he is in, in that regard. So it uh, should be a lot of fun to uh, to see uh, in, in, in that first game and then many games after that. Uh uh, all right, Hoinsey, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we will check back in with you from spring training again tomorrow. All right, Joe.